0: Hello, and welcome to the Digging Doug podcast. I am your host, Digging Doug, and I am joined today with my friend, Russ T. Ship. Hey, everybody. Russ, I'm glad to have you here. I'm excited to be doing this interview. And so, um, Russ is known mostly for his band, Rusty Ship, um, a great band and, uh, in the interest of full disclosure. I have been uh, playing in the band with Russ here for the last nine months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something we enjoy doing together. Um, and I'm sure, as part of uh, being in the band, you have done a lot of interviews mm-hmm. regarding the band and you know how it got started and you know what your influences are and, and all yep. that. This is not going to be a band interview though. Mm. So this is going to be something different. We're um, looking forward to talking to you on uh your philosophy and, mm. and other thoughts about life and christianity and, and all that so, i'm excited about that yeah thank you for joining us here um so uh as we get in the, the first question I, I had is um i'm curious about learning about your your background mm-hmm. um did you grow up as a christian and
1: yes um yeah i grew i grew up um in a very conservative Christian American evangelical home. Um, Pretty sheltered. Um, Of course, I've done a ton of introspection and processing since then, being removed from that initial environment to be like, oh, wow, okay, that was actually pretty sheltered and pretty conservative in, in the grand scheme of Christianity and America and... So yeah, that's definitely my roots. Um, my parents were very involved in the church. My parents actually met at Bible College.
0: Nice, nice. And
1: um, um, they met at a Bible College at a very charismatic Pentecostal church, which gradually morphed into kind of a cult, as they do sometimes. And so that so it it made for a very interesting religious spiritual philosophical dynamic from my foundation and um but yeah i don't want to get too carried away on that but yes
0: yeah um what particular denomination was that And, and did your parents later uh get out of that and go into a different denomination or a different church or
1: you know they it's interesting because i i can't really talk about the religious theological side as a as detached from our lives and what we were going through because it was so intricately involved but my parents they both they actually worked for this church also that became a cult and so they left the church and they had to quit their jobs because of it and that sent them into chaos and it led to them getting divorced uh, when I was five. And then, so they did, they split up and they, they still kind of stayed in um, churches that had kind of a Pentecostal charismatic leaning. Um, But then over time they kind of um, got more into just, they, they became less strict about like, okay, well, this is exactly what I believe. After a while they're like, is there just any safe churches we can go to that's not going to be corrupted by the pastor turning into some megalomaniac, crazy guy? And as time went on, they were like, yeah, let's just stick with kind of like the Baptist churches and the non-denominational churches and just kind of like, let's just not get into like extreme crazy stuff.
0: Yeah. Okay, so um, as I recall, you went to Liberty University, which... From my uh, impression, the reputation it has is is being a quite conservative evangelical school. So at at what point did you, you you talked about um, starting to uh, get another perspective and and, um, get outside. Now, did that happen uh, after you moved away from, um, you're from Virginia originally. Did that happen once you moved to Nashville or was that Hmm. some point before that?
1: You know, it was after I graduated from Liberty. Um, Liberty, like you said, very very conservative, old school, traditional Southern Baptist ties school. Um, I wouldn't. I mean, it's evangelical, but close to fundamentalist. Um, and I mean, it, it definitely was very much a like that was the world when you're when you're there. It's just like it's just like it's the liberty bubble (laughs) and it very much was the case and then when i graduated and just got a job working with people that weren't christians and stuff um it just led me to think more about the things that i were taught and just the the um the culture of it the ecosystem of it compared to this other Uh, contradictory ecosystem that I was now living in and Reconciling the two worlds and like what was real what wasn't and I've I've always been a really deep-thinking philosophical person and so very much so when I was in that Christian bubble I was very philosophical and Had all these reasons why I believe it's the way I did and and all the apologetics and stuff like that but then when I was removed from that I still have that deep-thinking philosophical mind but i started to let my mind ask scary questions um things that were kind of frowned upon in the the liberty ecosystem and i started to really just kind of trust myself and my innate sense sorry i'm touching the mic i'm trying i was learning to trust my innate sense of logic and understanding and reason and being be like, hmm, these things about hell um, that I was kind of taught growing up, it doesn't really seem consistent with logic or reality or even the Bible itself. And so there was definitely a schism that happened with how I was raised and then letting myself kind of trust my own sense of understanding And be like, actually, I think that there was some things that I was taught that are actually not as accurate um, biblically as something else. And so I actually fell away from Christianity um, because of that. Mm. And it was mainly over the doctrine of hell. Mm. And I just came to a point where I said, I cannot call myself a logical, reasonable person and believe this uh, doctrine of hell and uh, Christianity at least at least in my view at the time Christianity hinged completely on this doctrine of hell mm. it was like the whole thing you know, well people need to be saved well what do they need to be saved from hell take away hell and then well then what do they need to be saved from and the whole point of Christianity is to be saved right <laughs> so question hell and the whole house of cards falls. And so I did fall away from Christianity because of that. I'm like, this just doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem realistic, doesn't seem logical. And um, I'm not gonna go too long-winded on all that story, but I did come back to Christianity. But it was, I had a, just an epiphany, epiphany moment where I realized what I had been taught was not necessarily Christianity. It was just a version of Christianity, which I realized was, in my opinion, not 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 accurate, not realistic and not real and true, in my personal opinion. And so it wasn't Christianity that was flawed. It was the perspective and interpretation of the Bible and Christianity that was flawed. And so once I made that distinction and that when I distinguished that, then I was like, okay, I can I can actually embrace Christianity because there's so much that, that does seem realistic and true and logical. Um, but this strain of Christianity that I was taught is not logical, so I can abandon that and still be a Christian.
0: That's great, and uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, I know that's something I, I hear from uh, a lot of people, ha- have heard from a lot of people that, The version of Christianity that they have been surrounded by is so focused on on hell and um, people have uh, That's one of the most common things I hear that people have have trouble with is the the concept of hell and um, So I I appreciate you sharing about that um, because I I think a lot of people will relate Uh, I'm curious Was there something that led to your epiphany, um, some kind of catalyst, something you read or heard that helped you to start rethinking uh, Christianity? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Um, it's not what you would expect. It's kind of bizarre, but (laughs) believe it or not, um, when I had fallen away from Christianity, and I, I didn't fall away for that long of a period, But I did really be like, man, I don't believe this stuff. And let me just say, when that happens and your entire worldview is based on the truth of Christianity and the Bible, everything that you've known your whole life and been taught since the time you were born and to the time you go to college. And it's just like "Mm," forced down your throat, not, not necessarily in a bad way. But when you don't believe that anymore, it's like the whole world explodes. And it's like I was on the point of having a mental breakdown and panic attacks. And freaking out, I had to uh, leave my job for the day because I was just like, like I felt like I was gonna throw up. So it's that level of, it's not just like, yeah, I don't really believe this stuff anymore. Eh, I'm kind of skeptical. It's like your whole perception of reality as you know it. It's it's like you you realizing that, oh, Gravity is not a real thing anymore. My whole life, I th- or or whatever, like and then oh. you start
0: floating up <laughs> yeah, yeah. into the sky.
1: It's like it's like waking up in the Truman Show, yeah, or something. It's like yeah. oh my
0: gosh, my whole life is a lie. Yeah.
1: Um. So when so I did go into serious depression because when you when you truly grasp that wow the whole framework of what I believe was incorrect and I've been believing something that's just not true, I went into depression. And it was completely debilitating. And what's weird is that I kind of, in a sense, turned my back on God and the Bible and just was like, I don't want to think about this stuff. I just need a break from it. And I woke up one morning and I opened my eyes and I have this overwhelming feeling of love inside of me. It's like this tangible feeling of love. And I wake up, I'm like, what in the world am I feeling? And it wasn't the feeling of loving something. Like there wasn't anything like that popped into my head like, oh man, I love that. It was like this feeling of love. And I was like, what is this? If I'm feeling love and I'm not feeling love towards something, this feels like I'm being loved. And it was this really powerful, tangible feeling. And I was like, I feel like this is, this is God letting me feel his love me regardless of what I think and do and regardless of what my beliefs are and so in that that state of basically falling away I felt like it didn't really matter to God like God was actually just zapping me to let me know that he was still there and in that moment I, f- I felt like I got a sense of like truth and reality and God is bigger than just me and my perception of what I think is real and true and not true like there's something bigger than myself that exists completely independent of me and my thoughts and in that moment I felt like this is what people talk about when they talk about eternal security Hmm. that there's something beyond just yourself and your own daily actions that secures your uh, eternal (laughs) whatever security
0: yeah yeah (laughs) secures your eternal security
1: (laughs) But so I was like, man, so it's like God himself was pulling me back. So from that mystical, dare I say, experience, that was like, okay, just because I don't believe these things doesn't mean I can throw away the whole thing because there's things going on beyond what I think and can experience and believe. And so it was like, I can't throw the baby out with the bath water. Okay, let's just say hypothetically, you know, my views, what if my, what if just my understanding was incorrect, And but there's something that's still real here? What is that that's real? And so I started doing more research and, and, and still trusting myself and my grasp of reason and logic and, and the world around reality and experience. And um, that set me on a trajectory, which I'm still on to this day, still progressing of like what really is reality, what is truth, how's the best way to interpret the Bible, and um, what truth is out there outside of the Bible.
0: Thanks for sharing. That's uh, that's fascinating. Um, so you kind of talked about two things, which I, I wanted to um, mention uh, address both. One is uh, talking about how uh, you had lost your faith in God and in belief in christianity for that time period uh the the picture i got in my mind is it's uh it's like a a fish you know a fish spends its whole life in water yeah. and so it, it uh, and um i may mean, not have quite the same experience but similar in my background of growing up in christianity and in most of my life being surrounded by that so yeah it's kind of like like you say it's sort of the air you breathe or the the water you breathe if you're a fish yeah. <laughs> And you're, yeah, that just completely you're completely surrounded. So it, it, I can see when you're stepping out of that, it'd be kind of like taking a fish out of the water, into the air, and how traumatic that would be for the fish of like, yeah, I was, flopping I don't know around. how, yeah, yeah. So um, and, and again, that's something that I, I've heard a lot of people uh, talk about too of having um, some kind of experience when when they have. Um, been raised in Christianity or long a part of Christianity and have um, stepped outside of that, and, and just that, especially if that happens rather quickly. Um, different people have different experiences, of course, um, but yeah, when, when it's a kind of more sudden, sudden ish uh, transition. Um, so, the other thing uh, you talked about, um, I'm trying to remember exactly what I, I wanted to to say there but um oh yeah so so coming back to to god or, or having this experience the thing that stuck out to me w- with that is uh, from what you said about your christian background I, I can see this being true but um i know there it, there are i would say maybe too many christians churches um, denominations or whatever who have a, a view of God of um, Christianity is basically about doing the right thing, not doing the wrong thing. And, you know, if you're quote unquote doing the right things, then God will be pleased. And if you're not, then God will be angry and send you to hell and and all that. Um, so if that is true, like that your experience of feeling God's love wouldn't really line up with that sort of point of view because if you're like you know i'm in a position where i'm like i i don't think i i you know believe in this god or or whatever if if that kind of paradigm of god is true then you wouldn't expect to experience that god's love um so it first of all i'll ask you was that sort of paradigm uh your background in, in in christianity and that lead to that that changing
1: as far um my background as far as like a more transactional kind of
0: uh, somewhat relationship
1: um, with God, like I do these things and then I get his blessing love salvation, in return that well
0: kind of- that and just again kind of the view of God of um God is all about like you know being angry based on what we do or don't do and oh, yeah. um you know yeah yeah kind of that how god feels about us is based on how how christian we are aren't being
1: yeah yeah i mean totally it's interesting because when when i was growing up i mean it's like there's so many conflicting messages in the in the church at least the church that i was in it's like you know god loves you he died for you but but if you screw up, you know, you're going to hell. And, and, you know, it's not about what you do. It's about your faith. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, it, 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 still subconsciously, it's like you can, you, can, you can preach all day long about the unconditional love of God that actually has conditions on it, <laughs> right? Like, right? It's like the unconditional love of God, the unconditional love of God, but then everything else is like God is conditional, God is conditional, God is <laughs> conditional. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the, it's like you can preach something, but the actual atmosphere and the culture and the, all the other stuff that's talked about, that presents its own presentation of reality. Yeah. And then, so there's this, this conflict. It's like, okay, well, I know that God... It's not about what I do. It's about Jesus. And I just didn't need to believe in that. But then still with me growing up, it's like, okay, well, so, so what do I do about this? Oh, well, here, just, just say this prayer after me, the sinner's prayer. And so I did it, but then I would doubt myself. I'm like, I mean, hell is a long time of torture. <laughs> if there's any chance that I may be slipped up in something and might go there, then I'm not going to feel any peace and rest and eternal security. If that is like, oh, maybe I didn't say the prayer right. Maybe I didn't believe in the atonement correctly, and my incorrect view of it is going to cause me to go to hell for all eternity suffering. (laughs) So because of that, I would say the sinner's prayer every year, just in case I maybe didn't believe it correctly or didn't say it quite right. And I mean, it, it's it's crazy because it's so contradictory to the the very principle of being saved by grace, and it's something that's not of you and your works. It's about something that somebody else did, and yet if it's still like me having to still say something the, the right way or believe something just the right way, or I'm going to go to hell for all eternity, it's like there's so many mixed messages. So very very confusing. All yeah. That stuff.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you you talk about that because it it is, it's like, um, despite maybe the the message of of Christianity, uh, there's a lot of Christians who, yeah, it can can seem like you've got to perform the ritual the right way. um, Which is actually, if you think about it, that's more of a a sort of pagan or magical view. Yes, that's right. It's like, you know, I have to do the incantation, right, to get the spirits to you Know yeah. perform whatever I want, and, and so yeah, so it's funny, which again, like, like you said, it's completely not in line with the, the message of, of Jesus and and, and the New, Des- New Testament and um grace and, and all those things. Um, so yeah, if, and there was something else I was going to oh, yeah, so you were talking about uh, you were talking about churches, and that's something I have noticed uh, in my experience as well about how. I think it's it's interesting to me because I think there is there's such a long-standing church culture in uh, at this point evangelical culture um, for you know a hundred plus years and whatever it's been, and there are a lot of ideas. Uh, that there's a history both of the ideas and of both uh, of practice, hmm. and so what I see have seen in, in Christianity. It, evangelicalism is there's a lot of these ideas about, yeah, you know, these are the right beliefs. You know, we want to be welcoming to everyone for, for instance, and everyone can be saved and, you know, these things, but then there's also all these practices of like, well, this is the right practice. And, you know, if someone, you know, has done this, you know, like maybe it's smoking, you know, like, Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's cool. kind of, that's bad, you know, and we, we need to, you know, do the, you know, Whatever in in response to that, or like we can't let someone lead if they, you know, smoke or you know it, what, what will it, you know what will people think? What will the non Christians think if they see a pastor smoking or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, it could yeah, be? Right. And um, yeah, so I, one thing I I had recognized too is how uh, Christianity uh, churches, uh, all saints in in particular, can pay lip service to certain ideas but then again the the practice, they may not actually practice those things. It, yeah. there, is, there is, I think there's a disconnect because I, I don't believe most uh, Christian leaders are intentionally doing that. I, I think right. they actually believe these things but again there's this because of the history of like this is just how Christianity works and what you do and what you say and, and everything. It There becomes an incongruity at times yes. there.
1: And I think it's interesting that you mentioned like the the pagan aspect of it. I think there's something, I mean, intrinsic in human beings that we have. Okay, first of all, human beings are created, designed to have, to feel guilt. When we do something that we think is wrong, whether it's actually wrong or not, if we think it's wrong and we do something, we're gonna feel guilt. Or somebody else is, is showing us, oh, we did something that should, I should feel guilty about. And now I feel guilty because this person told me <laughs> I should feel guilty. And so human beings have to do something with that guilt. And so naturally people do rituals or something to like, what can we do to get rid of this guilt and this punishment that we feel we deserve? And then, of course, that's like that translates to, you know, an afterlife sense of like, you know, is there justice in the world? Is there judgment? Like, what about these wicked, evil people that seem like they just get their way and they're rich and powerful and and then they die? But that's kind of unfair. They should have like some punishment, even if it's not in this life Well, they should get it in the next life. And then it's like, well, if there's punishment in the next life, then what about me? Like, am I going to be punished in the next life too? Well, okay, I'm going to do rituals to purify my conscience in this life, but also do rituals that are going to save myself in the next life. And there's something I think that's natural about that based on who we are as as human beings. And it's not necessarily like some, some demon crept in and was like, all right, this is a false religion. I'm going to teach you all of these things. It's like... I think that there's something just innate in human beings that has to do something with guilt and even in an afterlife context.
0: I agree. Yeah.
1: And so that's just deep inside of us. And even we as Western European Christianized people still have this kind of pagan thing inside of us, certainly because of our, our ancestral and cultural background that that was full on pagan, like with the rituals and and paying penance and whatever but i think that it's like christianity is such an insane it's such an intense break from all of that stuff being like actually this isn't about rituals you can't do anything to uh, to like truly um uh sanctify yourself or whatever get get your get yourself out of punishment it's like all on god it's like grace and I don't think that human beings can fully really grasp that. And I see that in the church. It's like, even Christians, even pastors were like, wow, this profound message of God's grace. But come on, you still need to do a little something. <laughs> like yeah. there's still something inside of us that like needs to do something to, to like feel like our conscience is clean or that we're safe in the afterlife.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to transition maybe just a uh, slightly here um, you talk about uh, a lot about your uh, philosophy and, and love of philosophy um, I know th- theology as you know has been a part of philosophy uh, for a long time uh, some people probably it may consider that sort of a separate discipline at this point um, if, if you know you're familiar with the history of philosophy uh, all the sciences and everything used to be part of philosophy F- philosophy is basically just anything you thought about. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I wouldn't ask for you, your philosophy, is that um, primarily theology or do you think about philosophy more broadly than that?
1: Um, both. Um, I do think of philosophy in a, in a more general context, but then also a lot of my answers to philosophical questions Are found in Christianity
0: that makes sense
1: and even in in the same way that you know philosophy started with uh, you know the Greeks and they were posing these philosophical questions and their answers what's like Plato's answers to philosophical questions was it just general philosophical answers or was it philosophical answers through the filter of Greek religion. You know, so it's in some ways it's kind of inseparable, at least in my opinion, like it's, there isn't, um, to me there's not a real clear like uh, compartmentalization of where does religion and theology end and philosophy begins. But um, I think for, and I, I'm by no means like well, researched on all this stuff, the ins and outs, but it seems to me that there are philosophical questions and often a person's answer is found through some particular tradition or culture or religious belief system. Philosophical questions like, where did we come from? Why are we here? What is our purpose? What is the meaning of life? Where do we go? And just things of that nature. Usually, Mankind goes to uh, religion basically to answer these philosophical questions.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is uh, certainly true, especially in um, metaphysics, which is kind of those questions about what is the nature of reality, um, meaning, you know, physics is, you know, physical things here, and so the metaphysics is where does all that come from kind of what is that in some sense the container for the universe or mm-hmm. like where did that come from and, and all those things um, and you're, you're right that a, a lot of philosophers in the in the past even in the fairly recent past um, Western in Western philosophy at the very least uh, went in the direction of um, God in in believing in God in in some sense being behind that and, and they looked at it in, in different uh, ways but um, so is there some way that you can sum up your philosophy if you had to? Uh, I know that cause philosophy is such a big question. <laughs> I yeah. don't know if that's an easy one to answer. But.
1: I mean, it, it very much is in line with my personal theological views, which is very much founded in the Bible, which I I believe is true uh, to, to some degree, depending on your definition of truth <laughs> and reality. Um, so I think that, and, and I've, done a, I've done a lot of research on truth in the Bible. Like, is it, do, do I believe it's true? Do I, believe, do, I actually, do I actually, actually, really believe that Christianity is true? Do I believe that Jesus was actually divine? And I spent a lot of time thinking about that. And so I do believe that um, Jesus is divine, and that um, his uh, words and life were not just uh, fictitious or, or made up or something, but there is something there. And if that's the case, then if, if, if Jesus is divine, then he comes from, the, from Judaism. So Jesus kind of validates Judaism, which makes total sense to me. And so the Bible was written by the Jews, so in a sense that validates the Bible, um, to some degree, whether it's you know all inerrant or not inerrant, but mostly true, regardless, like I still, that's where I go to for my my worldview of how the world works, and based on that, um, I do my philosophy is that um, my philosophy is based on what I believe is the intent of God. For creation and the most basic foundational attribute of God that we know if nothing else he's a, he's our creator if nothing else we don't if we don't know anything else about God he's a, our creator and he created the universe um, and so he created earth and he created me as an earthling and so if he created me as an earthling then obviously he wants me to be an earthling <laughs> And I do believe that he, he, he controls the, the tra- trajectory and evolution of the world um, to be to some degree the way that he wants it to be, which means that he, I am to some degree the way he wants me to be, which means that whoever I am and my, my true genetic strengths and weaknesses Um, I think God wants me to be everything like the, the maximum version of myself and God as a creator he created earth to be the earth that he created it to be which I think is also the maximum version of itself earth and so where my maximum version of myself interacts with the maximum version of the earth that is kind of the goal that, that I'm after, um, what, the, what the Jews would call shalom, and shalom being world harmony, being the world being the way that God intended it to be, right. whether, whether that's the way he created it back then, and it fell, and then it needs to be restored, or if, he, if we have never attained that, <laughs> but God set us an example in Eden or wherever, and that's something that's supposed to spread into all the world. Shalom like Shalom, is a, a future state that we're pursuing. That is like what I'm trying to do. And I think that global shalom is impossible except as much as it exists in individual personal shalom. And so the, the shalom that I find in myself um, naturally overflows from here outside of myself into you and to other people and then also creation itself and just bringing cultivating the world plants and animals to be the best version of themselves that over time um, is going to create an overall sense of uh, just better living for everybody uh, minimizing suffering and increasing pleasure basically on earth
0: yeah yeah Um, so so what you're talking about, it, it sounds like a purpose. Like you believe that there is a purpose, uh, in, in at least in the sense of there's a direction that you're going, that God wants you to go, that God has the the world as a whole um, going. And I think the the theological or not theological, the uh, philosophical term is teleology Uh, uh, which is kind of like that the idea of that purpose mm,
1: study of purpose
0: yeah so that's a great segue into uh, a question I had and that is that kind of like you were describing you seem to have a strong sense of purpose uh, and that also ties into to the band I I understand your um, creative musical outlet is one of your passions and, and one of the things, uh, one of the primary purposes that you see for yourself. Uh, can you uh, tell us a little bit more about that and kind of where, how that, that sense of purpose uh, developed? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm totally indebted to my Christian upbringing because, I mean, Christianity is so purpose-driven. The purpose-driven
0: life? The (laughs) purpose-driven
1: life. (laughs) Yeah. But even depending on what tradition you're in, like the tradition I come from, um, like Pentecostal and and Baptist, um, when it's like, man, the goal of life is just to save as many souls as possible before this world blows up (laughs) or we're raptured out of here. Yeah. Um, Talk about purpose in life when it's like, oh my gosh, it's up to me to save these people that are about to go to hell and they could die like that and just go to burn for forever. Man, talk about some serious motivation and purpose in life. And that was just the framework in which I entered this, this whole world and, and saw this whole thing. And so from that, I've... Um, I've moved away from a lot of that stuff. And yet the, the sense of obligation and duty and purpose in the world has, has always stayed with me. And I think that's great because whether it's real or not, or true or not, I mean, just the fact that I have this um, sense of duty and purpose, I think is great. And it's really, it's really given me so much drive in my life, my whole life which has led to this band being what it is. And it continues to drive me, like I'm not, I'm not as much about being driven by the end-all be-all thing is um, just like evangelizing to everybody until I persuade them of, to believe in Jesus so that they can be saved from hell. Like that's not the thing that really drives me as much these days because my, my beliefs on that have all changed. But I still have that drive, and now my drive is more about
0: um,
1: eliminating suffering in the world and um, healing people um, because I do I feel I feel people's pain and I don't want anybody to be in pain. And so that's something that really drives me, is how can I eliminate pain in this world? And 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 also, I I really am um, just very profoundly um, impacted by the words of Jesus, and I, I do believe that there is such power that enters into a person's life when they believe those words, and that there is this quality of experiencing God and God's presence and the the love and peace and joy that for the most part is not possible to experience at the level that you can from um, an encounter with God or believing believing his words. That's something really powerful that I want people to experience. So it's like eliminating suffering, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual suffering. And then also, um, aside from just eliminating suffering, how how can people enter into what i would consider uh, eternal life which is life of of the eternal which is god god life how can people experience this greater quality of life right now on earth and then potentially you know in the future after we're gone um that comes from god and and as as from the belief in his words because so much of our um experience is just our what we believe about anything and if i believe Mm -hmm. that if i believe that you know i'm broke i'm not going to be able to pay my bills this month i'm going to be freaking out but if regardless if it's true or not but if i believe that if i believe i'm a millionaire or whatever i'm like oh yeah i don't have to worry about bills i might be worried about something else yeah i'm not worried (laughs) about my bills right and so there's a sense of peace if i actually believe if i if i don't believe that God loves me, if I don't believe there's a purpose, um, then it's just kind of like, there's just less security in life. If I do believe that God loves me more than anybody else, and I have that right now, then the, the moment that I actually believe it, then I experience it. And if I believe that I'm taken care of, if I actually believe that, then I experience that I, the feeling of being taken care of, which is peace and happiness.
0: Yeah. I, I think you touched on a couple of real important things in, as, in terms of uh, theology and, and understanding God. Um, one is eternal life. It's not just about uh, I'm going to somehow be saved after or, or go to heaven after I die or whatever. It, eternal life is more about a certain quality of life. Yes. And I, I think I, I think that's great and something that I wish more people would understand me too uh, and then also um just in general talking about um the idea of this kind of goes back to people's view of on, on god as, as well uh you know if, if god is uh, more angry with people and um or if he is more uh loving uh In theology, one of the things I've noticed is that, like I've heard some people, uh, some evangelicals talk about, well, you know, we need to have the Bible in order to convince people like of the Ten Commandments, in order to convince them that they've broken the commandments, (laughs) in order to convince them that they're going to hell, and, and all that, so we convince them that they need to believe in Jesus so that they're saved from that. And to me, that's always just felt, Kind of odd. It's like we have to go a a long way to convince people of of something bad so we can, like, you know, then turn around to say, oh, well, we've got this good news now for you because we dumped all this bad news on it. But to me, what you're describing, the the vision you're describing of God having this vision of uh, shalom, um, which a lot of people may or may not know that Shalom is often translated as peace, but the concept of Shalom is, is much broader than that. It's it's not just the lack of war or conflict, but it's uh, the way I've thought about it is it's sort of like a, a societal um, well-being. So it's more than just a, a, an individual, it, it's like there is that communal aspect of it. It's it's broader than again just individual peace, or and again even on a, a societal communal level, more than just the lack of conflict. But it's like a, a well-being and a, har, a harmony. You you mentioned the word harmony there. So going back to that, uh, thinking about Jesus, one of the things I've recognized is. Um, Jesus is in, in the gospels. It, it, they share about how he performed these different miracles, and I, I guess in the, the background, I've had there is a recognition that the miracles that mean that's kind of a, a display of power or divinity in some sense. But what I've come to realize is it wasn't just that, but the miracles and the things that Jesus did are. Were are a demonstration of this is the kind of world we, we will have when Jesus is in charge. So mm. people get healed, people get freed from um, their bondage of whatever sorts of things it is. Um, they receive sight, they can hear, you know, all these different things happen when Jesus shows up. And... I, I again that goes along with what you're talking about about God having this overall um, tele- teleology or purpose that He is wanting to bring the world into this shalom, this well-being for for everyone. Uh, I think that's such a a more beautiful understanding of the good news, understanding of, mm-hmm. of God and mm-hmm. Jesus more so than this fear-based, hey, yeah, this, this, hey, you know, God's really mad and he kind of wants to send you to hell. But, you know, if, if, if you believe in Jesus, then when God looks at you, he won't actually even see you. He'll just see Jesus. And so maybe God doesn't even like you, but he's just, he's just not seeing you. He's seeing Jesus until you kind of get, you know, gets, uh, you know, kind of slide in the back door or what. So, I mean, those are um significantly different pictures of God, and of course Christians don't normally directly talk about God like that because like like you were mentioned earlier, you know, it's always talking about God is love and everything, but then some of the other things that Christians say and everything gives us different picture. Right, it's like
1: <laughs> you know? God is love, He's unconditional love, He died for us, He loved us before we loved Him but all of our deeds are as filthy rags and there's no none yeah. good, no, not one. And, you know, it's just we are worthless pieces of scum.
0: Yeah, right. So it's like, hmm, Right. how do you reconcile those two? <laughs> so um, I wanted to ask you about, uh, again, I, I know you're passionate about the band. You see um, your music creativity uh, as a big part of your purpose. Um, how do you see or, or have you come to... Um, some ideas about how your philosophy, your theology uh, influences your music and how how those two things work together, how, how you can fulfill your purpose through the avenue of, of music and your band.
1: Yeah, and that's something that I'm still in the process of figuring out and I'll, I'll probably be tweaking it, you know, for years to come, maybe, maybe the rest of my life. Figuring out exactly, like, what is, what is the best way to really do that? But, um, like, when the band first started out, um, I thought that there, there was a sense of purpose. Um, and nothing else, other th- if nothing else, than um, just making good music that would really bless people. Like, they would, it would make their lives better in, in whatever way. Just It would make their lives better by giving them good music that makes them feel good, energizes them, um, fills them with a sense of imagination or awe or wonder. So at the most basic level, that's kind of how it started out. If nothing else, there was that. And then lyrically, I tried to do things that at at least just use certain words and language that just would plant seeds in people's heads of, wait, did he just did he just say something about God in the lyrics? Uh, you know, it's a song about Davy Jones, but then it like says something about God holds the, the keys to death in Hades. It's like, what's that about? Um, so just like little, I, I was making art um, but it was good music, and also lyrically it was at least planting seeds of getting people to, to not just be present and what's going on here, but maybe thinking about deeper things in life. And as as the with that being the foundation, um, every album that I've made has kind of gotten more um, focused and clarified as far as mainly the lyrics about what i'm trying to do and really it's um like musically i feel like just kind of the same sense of purpose as i always have to just make i want to make the best music in the world because music itself has a a real healing quality to it i mean i can listen to Johann sebastian bach and i'm like wow you know 300 years later wow this is amazing and it makes my whole day better it minimizes pain and I'm like, I want to do that for people just with music itself. But I'm the thing that I'm really tweaking these days is the message of the lyrics, because I am, I've become so inspired the past few years by um, um, personal development psychologists. I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins changed my life, and it's just the um, the psychology of how to use your your mind and your beliefs and how that literally empowers your life and improves the quality of every area of your life and gives you a greater sense of purpose. And so that kind of um, personal development psychology wisdom has transformed my life. And I really want to give that to people and communicate it somehow with the the lyrics in the songs. And, I've been doing that more and more, um, especially in the last album, Dark Side of the Ocean. That's probably the, the most clear that I've been doing that. And so, like, we've got a song on there, um, Untouchable, which literally the, the chorus is just these I am affirmations of these, like, in my opinion, the most powerful truth statements in existence. And I'm like, man, if people get this song stuck in their head, and they get this, especially this chorus, stuck in their head, then the, the melody is catchy, but the lyrics are kind of attached to the melody. So if they get the music stuck in their head on a loop, then naturally the lyrics are kind of there. And then there's, there's this powerful truth message that is just circling and swirling through their head. And I hope that that starts to change their beliefs so that they start to believe these words and the words are i am untouchable because nothing in this world can touch my soul it's like this you know this uh, eternal security which if you believe it it changes everything in your life like you have real power and you're not afraid in this world and then two i'm unconditionally loved more than i could ever my heart could ever hold more than i can even fathom i'm loved it's like man if you believe that talk about a game changer Like, it doesn't matter if you're rejected by anybody in the world. If you know, yeah, this person rejected me, but I'm still loved, like, so much by God. And then, I forget what the other ones are, but it's that level of belief changes everything in life. And your beliefs dictate the quality of your life and your your emotions. And sometimes your beliefs can be challenged or triggered by just a sentence. And that changes the way somebody thinks or provokes their imagination to question the deeper things in life. So that's more what I want to do these days. It's like, I only have so many words to use in a song. How can I use like whatever it is, like 50 words and communicate a a challenging message to somebody that's going to be like, oh, man, my life stinks. I have no purpose. Oh, wait a second. Maybe I have purpose. Maybe I'm unconditionally loved. Maybe I... I can do anything I want. Maybe I'm, I'm safe. I have peace. That's what I'm excited about.
0: Yeah, that's great. And uh, I, I'm glad you shared uh, about that. Uh, I feel like I have a better sense of what you what you have in mind with the, the lyrics. And I, I think it is great because um, I, I know everyone, I, as far as I know, I, I'm not inside everyone's heads, but <laughs> I think it's a very common Um, thing for us to have these thoughts that come into our head Um, some of those are positive uh, but there's oftentimes those negative thoughts uh, about having whether it's like a guilt about having not done something well or well enough or having done something wrong or and oftentimes it can go to uh, the shame and uh, you know I'm not good enough you know I'm you know bad like all, all those things yeah. and while i don't think necessarily positive thinking alone can address that i, I think uh, there's at least cases where uh you know maybe uh there, there are people that uh, biologically the you know chemically or whatever are just you know physically depressed or, or what, what i don't know exactly how to maybe say that correctly but um I think there are cases, you know, there are situations that are just tough and things. But at the same time, I think that it's important. And one of the things I, I think I have developed over the course of time is recognizing those inner thoughts when they come and just kind of whacking them down in the a yeah. sense of like right. saying, oh, no, that's not not, true. not true. Yeah. And so... I I can definitely see with music, like you said, that's something that people connect with, especially when it's something catchy they enjoy listening to. And then that uh, message can be positive or not. Like there's some, uh, you know, certainly there's uh, some music out there that is more along the lines of like, I'm terrible. The situation is terrible. Like I want to die, you know, whatever, and uh, more again, kind of a negative message. Now, I I hesitate, or I want to, I guess, put this caveat because my belief is that there there are different types of art or different ways of approaching art, and one of those is, one of the the ones I appreciate most is how art expresses emotion. And so certainly we go through challenging emotions, Mm -hmm. we go through things, and, and I appreciate that art can express uh, those good and bad emotions, and yeah. I find it helpful when I'm feeling a challenging emotion to have music or art that um, that relates to that emotion, right. and, and I did. I can identify with and, and appreciate it. So I, I'm not just saying that all art should be happy or right. <laughs> whatever. Uh, yeah. But what I am getting at is, I definitely can see how uh, having these positive, like these reinforcing messages that it's not like all negative, even, you know, uh, it's, it's funny talking about the music, uh, you know, part of the, the story of of the recent album is the, uh, people who die, the sailors who die Mm -hmm. and are sinking in the ocean and everything. And so in one sense, you could say that's not, Happier, positive, but within that thread, there also is those uh, the positive messages and all as well. So that that's really that's really fascinating. And and, in school, I'm I'm excited about where you'll continue to go with that. Yeah, me too.
1: I'm excited to see what happens.
0: Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think. are, Are there is there other things that you would like to share or other questions I have an ask that you think I should ask.
1: <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I that what I communicated is a pretty good summary of I think what I believe and um I just think that um the one of the biggest parts of the the mission that I'm currently on is I think that there's a lot of providence in how I was raised and with the beliefs that were instilled into me. And even my falling away from it and my reaction and my rejection of a lot of that stuff is part of the plan because I know that there are so many people out there that had the exact same upbringing that I had. Not the exact same, but similar. Yeah, very similar, yeah. by, By far, there's tons of overlap and at this stage of my life, I can actually see how destructive that is. And that it's like, okay, well here's this truth, but those beliefs in the way that they're crafted actually have really toxic um, implications. And and I don't believe that that stuff is true. I, I believe in some ways the opposite, that um, the truth actually is something that is incredibly powerful and, and transformative and empowering more than the beliefs that I used to have. And so I'm, I'm on more of a, a mission these days to help people see this, the same things that I have seen and, and show them how, hey, you were taught this but this actually isn't true. And some of the reason that you're, you're feeling like your life is so crummy is actually because of these incorrect beliefs that you were taught. Whereas this is actually the, the true beliefs. This is like the true interpretation of the Bible, the true worldview. And the thing is because this is true and correlates more with reality, it's actually the benefits of it are, are incredible. And it literally has the power of um, improving everybody's quality of life, improving the, the, how they see themselves and their worth as a human being and the potential in a person. And, man, I just think that there's, there's so much powerful implication and application from these beliefs that I have, I have realized. And so, I don't know. I'm just kind of a man on a mission in that sense of um there's a book i'm reading right now uh by n.t wright called surprised by hope and
0: i think it's I have a copy of it up here somewhere <laughs> think,
1: um probably uh, yeah right right,
0: up right there, there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and i'm like you know I, I was having all of these this long evolution of theological belief and it's just like trusting myself in my my logic and reasoning and really being like i'm not shutting out science I'm not shutting out my experience of reality. I'm saying, how does theology, if it's real and true and the Bible is true, then it has to be in alignment with experience
0: right and, and science
1: <laughs> and, and reality. like what like what I can feel and touch, it has to be one and the same. And so I've had all these just um, this evolution of belief and theology over time. And it's so exciting to me to read books like this because I'm reading from people who are way more researched than I am, have more credentials, who've been at this game longer than I have, who are true bona fide theologians, who are basically saying the things that I have theorized. And it just validates my own sense of... um, um, trusting in myself and my innate sense of logic and reasoning and experience and these guys are like actually the bible is is validating what you're feeling and thinking the questions the wrestling and these actual true beliefs have the implications of making everybody's life in the whole world incredibly better
0: so would you say that in to some degree that Part of your mission is reforming Christianity.
1: Um, in a sense, I, I I would, and I by no means am like trying to like spearhead anything, but I I, I definitely do want to um, shine light on the amazing work that's being done right now in the in in works of theology and books that most people in, in the church that I was raised in. Uh, don't realize, exist, and have not heard of, and would would say, oh, well, that's probably not true because it's in conflict with what we know is true, which is this tight system, Whereas mm-hmm. that's actually not true, and this is true. <laughs> and so, I, I, man, I would love for people to just know that this is here and that actually the Bible is saying something different than what we've been taught a lot of us.
0: Yeah I think that is something one of the things that we have in common is uh, that a passion of like from my background as well which may not be probably wasn't quite as conservative but it certainly was like conservative evangelical but recognizing some of the the problems with certain views of Christianity and and God um, at least evangelical Christianity and wanting to uh, in a sense, reform Christianity and point out the problems that are there and try to help people to move by that, by the, those kind of problematic beliefs and ways of seeing God and, um, and, and the Bible and, and everything, and come to see, again, kind of what we talked about as the what I think is the good news of God uh, loving everyone and trying to bring the shalom and, and yes. everything and so like, yeah that's
1: truly good news right it's not right. just like good news and name only that's actually bad news <laughs> Right? It, it's like actually good news like the whole thing is just better news than i ever realized the good news could be
0: yeah i'll throw this in there uh and this has been uh quite a number of years ago now i i was thinking about you know what is the quote unquote gospel? Um, and in case uh, any listeners aren't aware, the the word gospel is uh, I think Greek, and the translation is good news. So it's basically just a word for good news. But yeah, it's like what is the gospel? And one of the things I, I found is the Bible, and, and the uh, in the teachings or in the the gospels that talk about Jesus, it talks about Jesus going around and preaching the good news. Hmm. And so I thought. Like the traditional evangelical gospel is, Jesus came, died for your sins, so you can go to heaven in, in a real nutshell. Well, Jesus, it says Jesus is going around preaching the good news, but he's not obviously preaching, hey, I died so you can you know <laughs> right. go to heaven. Yeah. Uh, so what is the good news that Jesus is preaching? Well, it's the kingdom of God is near, mm-hmm. And what is that Kingdom of God? Well it's this shalom that we're talking about because again and this goes back to what I talked about with Jesus performing the miracles and part of the sign of that is like this is what happens when the Kingdom of God comes near. Because God's Kingdom you know the Kingdom ruled by Jesus, the idea of a Kingdom is what happens in the Kingdom is what the king wants to happen in the kingdom kind mm. of in general and what god is what jesus is jesus has the perfect representation of god is god is perfectly good and loving and and all these characteristics and so when the kingdom of god comes all these good things come along with that and so yeah so jesus is preaching that the kingdom is here the kingdom is near And what that means is all these good things are coming because Jesus has arrived. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I I love that. that.
1: Like, that's the kind of thing that gets me so excited. And in some ways, that's a lot more exciting than just, like, getting out of... The, the fires of hell by the skin yeah. of your teeth, just because you know this guy died for you and you're a worthless piece of scum, but you know you believe and right now you're gonna go up, you know, in the clouds forever. It's just like the fact that God actually made me an earthling because he wanted me to be an earthling and he made earth because he actually wants there to be an earth and not just so it could be destroyed because, you know, somebody ate a fruit and then people are just sinning irredeemably and then yeah. they're just well, that didn't work out. Trash that, all these worthless people I've made, trash them because they're really just supposed to be disembodied spirits up there. That's the whole reason I created them. It's like it doesn't really make sense. Right. It makes more sense that God actually wants me to be here and loves the way that I am, the way that He created me. And, you know, none of us are in complete alignment with the truth. And we all make mistakes. And a lot of that is just because of our incorrect beliefs that we have. But who we are and the world, just knowing that, wow, God wants me to be here. God in his providence created me to be having this experience right now. And it's good. It's not bad. (laughs) I mean, some parts of it maybe are bad, but it's good. He is happy with me. He's not angry at me. He understands why I make the mistakes that I make. He knows everything. He knows why I do it. And to some degree, um, I think he, he understands and he has a lot of grace for the bad things that I, the mistakes that I make, which are based on incorrect beliefs. Um, but anyway, that just, it just gets me excited.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If we, if we truly believe that God loves us unconditionally, That means that God loves us now as we are, whether we ever do anything more for Him or whatnot. That there's nothing that changes that. You know, it's not you know because there's a sense of like. uh, Often I've had the sense that like, oh well, you know, God wants me to do this or that or like improve on this or you know pray more or you know sin less or 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 whatever. And there's. as I have struggled with it at certain points, kind of that burden of, I mean, it's desire for good things, but where it becomes kind of a burden of like, oh, I, you know, I'm not, you know, close as close to God as I want to be, or I'm, you know, you know, I still struggle with the sin or, you know, whatever. But again, just recognizing that, you know, if I never improve at all, and not to say that I shouldn't, but if I never improve at all, God doesn't love me any less. He's not like any less, Oh uh, gosh, you're a failure or anything yeah. like that. Like um, you
1: should know better than to do this.
0: Yeah, and if you think about uh, you know the the analogy that uh, of God being a parent, uh, like like a parent, you know what parent is going to like love their children less because they're imperfect or you know it's like we might get frustrated and whatnot, but it's not like we're like well you're just a you know script There are uh, bad parents out there that are, you know, sometimes do those things. But in general, you know, good, loving parents aren't going to be like, well, you know, you failed this class, so you're a terrible person or whatever. I'm cutting you off because you missed the mark. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: there's times when a parent will cut somebody off, but it's pretty extreme for a a parent to like cut somebody off. Like parents are just incredibly gracious. Like they tend (laughs) to be like overly merciful or overly giving, overly loving, overly gracious. That's the nature of a parent. And I think that's true of God also. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for having joined us. And I think this has been a really uh, interesting conversation and uh, something I, I'm looking forward to. Um, we have uh, some shared thoughts and passions in, in um, helping people understand uh, Christianity and life more. And so I'm, I'm looking forward. Um, well, this wasn't a band interview. Uh, I will post some links to the band page so people can check out uh, the music. Uh, I guess I can say our music since I'm <laughs> playing in the band. So uh, people can check out our music. Uh, I think it's really good. Um, and that's well, from even before I joined the band, I, I was a fan. So I, I would encourage people to check it out. Um, it's a, we like to call it nautical rock. Yeah. So it's a little bit different, but uh, very, very well done. So thanks so much, Rusty. Thanks, Doug. Um, we'll look forward to uh, seeing you at practice on Tuesday night. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, thanks again for the time. And again, this has been the Digging Doug podcast. And tune in next time. Um, Subscribe, like, you know, all those things that they always tell you to do, uh, should be available on YouTube and uh, all the podcast uh, sites, all your favorite podcast sites, probably, uh, probably uh, Spotify and every all the other ones as well. So
1: MySpace. Yeah, MySpace.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks.